0: I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. So find 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and we're going to we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the, the Lord's table. We're going to talk about the power of the Lord's table. Because, again, I think there are certain things that, that we do in Christendom that we just kind of run past and we don't, we, 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 because we do it so often, we don't, we don't take it as serious as we used to. We don't, we don't put as much emphasis as we should on certain things and certain doctrines that God has given us. And I think that God has given us the time to slow down. And say, okay, I need you to put more emphasis here. I need you to fully understand what this is about. I need you to to fully, fully get in your heart what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I think that's what God is saying. Matter of fact, I know that's what God is saying. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Beginning at verse number 23, I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture uh, just for clarity's sake. I usually don't read this many, but I'm going to read this many for clarity's sake. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 31. New King James Version reads like this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord on the same night in which he was to be betrayed, he took bread. Verse twenty-six. for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body of the Lord. But let every man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, there's that, there's that a phrase again, in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if, you would, if we would judge ourselves, we would not need to be judged. I want to talk about the power of the Lord's table. The power of communion, and this is this is not just any ordinary meal. This is not just any ordinary uh, feast that we come together and take. This is an ordinance that God, uh, that Jesus Himself commanded us to remember. You remember back uh, in Exodus when when the Israel when Israel was leaving Egypt, they were leaving Egypt, and and God told Moses, He said, Moses, I want you to tell the people, I want you to tell them that I want them to, to kill a lamb, to find a lamb, kill the lamb and take its blood, drain all of its blood and take the blood from that lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of the houses. Put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of the houses, because tonight the death angel is coming. The angel of death is coming. And when the angel of death comes and he sees the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, then he will pass over that house. He know that that house is marked by God and anybody in that house will be saved that night from death. Now he also told him. He said, "Take that lamb, and when you when you take that lamb, I want you to I want you to roast it. It's going to be a roasted lamb. Roast that lamb with fire, and I want you to eat the entire thing. I want you to roast it, and I want you to eat it. If any's left in the morning, he said, I want you to burn it. I want you to burn it uh, in the morning. But I need you guys to eat all the lamb. He said, if it's if, if the lamb is too too large for your family, he said, invite someone and you guys eat it together. He said, if you don't have enough lamb, go to someone else and borrow a piece and make sure that uh, or borrow some lamb and make sure you guys." have enough for the entire family to eat, but you're going to eat it all that night. Now, that that was the night of the Passover. That was the night when, when the death angel passed over the homes of Egypt. Keep that in your mind. It was the Passover. Now, God said to the Israelites, I want you guys to remember, stay with me, I want you to remember the Passover forever. I want you to teach it to your children, teach it to your sons, teach it to your daughters. I want you guys to remember the Passover. Over forever. So each year the Jewish people or the the Israelites would come together and they would have what's called a Passover feast. They would have a Passover meal. They would come together, they would roast the lamb, they would do the same thing, and they would remember the night that the death angel passed over, which was the final plague, which was the end of the final plague that released them into their freedom. He said, you guys remember the Passover. Now, Now, Jesus in the book of Matthew comes and Jesus is eating what what we what what they understood as the the Passover meal with his disciples. He's eating the Passover meal with his disciples. And watch this. So so he he moves From the Passover meal to now he moves into what we understand as communion. He moves from the Passover meal to what we understand as communion. And Jesus is sitting there. Watch this. He's eating with his disciples in the book of Matthew. He's eating with his disciples. And check this out. But this time they didn't have any lamb. They didn't. They didn't have a lamb that was on the table. You know why? The lamb was not on the table because the lamb was around the table because Jesus was the lamb. And Jesus says, He says, "This is my final supper that I'm going to eat with you guys, and I won't eat again with you until I come into my kingdom." And so, what He was saying to them, He says, "This I'm starting today because I need you to understand this as an ordinance to you. I need you to understand that from this day forward, you guys will continue on." And so, churches for thousands and thousands. Thousands of years, even into our present day, have have maintained the Lord's table. You know, if you walk into an average traditional Baptist church and some other churches, you see you see what they call the communion table sitting out front, the communion table out front. And it has the words kind of engraved on the front. It says it says do this in remembrance of me. And so so those tables are designed to to remind us of the importance of having communion, the importance of doing communion, the importance of remembering the Lord's table. But I want to talk to you about the power of the Lord's table. Communion, listen to this definition. It is an affirmation of our covenant relationship with Christ. It affirms our relationship because I don't want you guys just to take communion just to take it. I don't want you to take it because I think that, I believe that what God is saying to us is that many people, many people have been, we haven't we haven't reverenced the Lord's table as we should. We haven't reverenced communion as we should. We just, we come in, we get the cup, you know, we shake it up, we, we peel the top, we eat the, you know, eat the wafer, we drink the juice, we drop it in the, in the receptacle, and we go head on. And I think that one, one of the things that God is saying is, is that we have, as a people, we have neglected the the importance of the Lord's table. We've neglected the importance. We've kind of drifted, we've kind of drifted further and further and further away from the sanctity of the Lord's table. And so my job as your pastor, one of my responsibilities as your leader, is to help us, to help us get back to the place where we reverence the Lord's table again, where 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 we sanctify the Lord's table, where where we understand why we take communion, we understand why communion is important because it is the affirmation of our covenant relationship. Now, covenant is different than a contract. Covenant has a start date, but there's no end date. So when when we talk about a covenant, this means that the covenant that we have with God is forever. So every time a person uh, takes up the bread, they take up the cup. What they're saying is, is that I acknowledge, I affirm that I am in covenant relationship with God. That's what you're saying. Every time you take communion, you are affirming your covenant relationship with God. I'm in covenant with him. He's in covenant with me. Now, understand this, that covenant works two ways. Covenant is not just one sided. Covenant is not just about what God does for me. Covenant is not just about what God does for you. Covenant is about what God does for us and then what we do for God. That's what covenant is. Covenant is not a one way street. I don't want to be in covenant with somebody who's not in covenant with me. I don't want to make a covenant with somebody and and I'm giving everything I can to that person and they're not giving anything back to me. Well, that's that's not that's not a covenant or or that's not a fulfilled covenant. So when we, when we take the communion, what we're saying is, God, I understand that you have a responsibility to me, but I also understand that I have a responsibility to you. And that's what we're saying. So those of you, wherever you are, I pray that you, at the end, we're going to give you a chance to, to take communion with us as a family. I pray that you prepare that to take communion with us. So communion is the af- affirmation of our covenant relationship with God. Now, if you're not in covenant with with God, if if you're not saved and and you haven't made that covenant connection with God, if you you haven't given your life to Christ, then, then communion really doesn't mean anything to you. Doesn't mean anything to you because you haven't made that covenant relationship with God. Because communion affirms that covenant relationship. I think, one of, I think one of the mistakes that we make oftentimes is, is when we come to church, we pass the communion plate and we pass it to everybody. And so, so sometimes even guests or sometimes people who are not saved feel, feel almost pressured to take one because everybody's getting one. And I think, I think that there's that, some adjustments got to be made there. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But that's some adjustments that have to be made there because I think we've got to get back to the sanctity of the table, making sure that we honor the Lord's table correctly. Covenants are always sealed with the meal. So covenants are always sealed with the meal. So, so when, when when Jesus sat down with his disciples and they were having that, that, that final meal, that final supper, well, what he was doing was he was sealing that covenant with that final meal, the covenant that he had with them, the covenant that God has with them. Now, here's the beautiful part. Here's the beautiful part. Now, when, when Jesus... When Jesus was talking to his disciples and uh, he was there at the table and he had a couple of things on the table. He had a couple things on the table. So Jesus, Jesus had bread on the table. He had bread on the table, and Jesus had wine on the table. He had bread, and he had wine on the table. Now, Jesus is known as the bread of life. We all know that. He's known as the bread of life. So while he was on the, while he was there talking to disciples, he had bread on the table. He had bread, and he had wine on the table. Now, check this out. The, the bread, check it out. The bread represents Jesus' body the bread represents Jesus' body. Now, I know that when you take communion that you don't normally have a piece of bread like this. I get it. I know that it's it's a way for some some of you uh, in your homes. You've got a little piece of cracker in your home or or you just got a little little piece of light bread or whatever that you have. It's not not about the the healing is not in the bread. The healing is in the understanding. It's in the revelation. So you've got to get a revelation about what's happening. So here's what he said. He said that this bread, when you look at The bread, I want you to understand that the bread represents my body. Now, here's the question. Think about bread. Think about how bread is made. Think about how bread is made. Bread is made uh, uh, when you when you make the dough. There are certain ingredients that has to go into bread to make the dough. And when you make the dough, the bread has to be squished. The, the the dough has to be the dough has to be pounded oftentimes. Oftentimes they would pound the dough. They would take the dough. Watch this, and they would do what they called kneading the dough. K n e a d. They would knead the dough. They would take it, and they would take a rolling pin, and they would squish that dough out. They would roll that dough out, and they that dough, watch this. In a similitude, that dough is going through some excruciating pain. The dough is going through it because it has to be has to be rolled and beat and squished, and it has to be has to be uh, pounded oftentimes to make bread. And then they have to leave it alone so that it can rise. Then leave it alone. Now, check this out. Check this out. Not only does bread have to be needed, k e n e a d e d, but God, Jesus, also must be needed, N-E-E-D-E-D. He must be needed. So not only does bread must be needed, but Jesus must be needed. I, that was good to me right there all by himself. He must be needed because, because Jesus wants people who want him. He wants people who wants him. So when we understand and we look at the bread, the bread, it helps us to understand that it's Jesus' body. Watch this. Then he took the bread. He took the bread. Now check it out. He took it. He took the bread and he broke it. He took the bread and he broke it. And he showed his disciples the broken bread. He showed his disciples the bread. That was broken. You know what that represents? You know what that represents? The breaking of the bread represented the breaking of Jesus' body. It represents Jesus' body being broken, his skin being broken for our sins. So he's got the bread, and he's with his disciples, and he takes the bread, and he breaks the bread, and he shows the bread to his disciples. And he says, this is my body. Wait a minute. He's showing them this. And he says, look at how the bread is breaking. You know, what that, you know what that really represents? That represents when they took Jesus and they put him on the whipping post. They put Jesus on the whipping post. And, and most many scholars believe that the whipping post they used in those days was shaped like a horseshoe. That they would tie his feet in stocks. They would lay his stomach over the round part of the horseshoe, and they would tie his hands to the, to the other part of the, of the horseshoe. And Jesus was laying over this horseshoe-type whipping post. And then they would take this whip. They would take this long whip and this whip, and at the end of the whip, it had like little, little leather tassels on the end of the whip. Little leather tassels on the end of the whip. And they would take pieces of shard metal, pieces of sharp metal. Pieces of broken bone, and they would tie knots around the metal, tie knots around the broken bone. So imagine this whip where they've got tassels on the end, and all of the tassels has pieces of metal, pieces of broken metal, broken bones that's on this whip. And they would use this whip, watch this, and they would beat Jesus and the back. They was beating him on the back with, those, with, those, with, that, with that whip. They were beating him with it. You know what was happening to his back? You know what was happening to Jesus' back as they were beating him? This. His back was being opened up. And Jesus is taking bread, and he's breaking the bread, and Jesus is showing them that this is what's going to happen to me. That my body is going to be broken for you. My body. And so so when we take communion and we got the bread, you've got to know that we're not just eating a wafer. We're not just eating some kind of cracker. We're not just eating that. You know what? But so what he's saying is, is that we've got to discern the Lord's body. He's saying that this is my body that was broken for you, that they beat Jesus. They beat Jesus back so much that they they beat him Many scholars believe it was 39 times they take their whip and they beat him to where to where the skin on his back was ripped from his back these these sharp pieces of shard metal would reach into his back and they would break open the flesh they would break open the meat off of jesus's back now listen i gotta be honest with you the passion of the christ did a good job, but a passion of the Christ did not come close to helping us to fully understand what Jesus really went through on the day that he was crucified. The passion of Christ didn't come close helping us to understand because some scholars believe that, that they beat his back so much that watch this, there was no skin left on his back. There was no skin left on his back. There was no skin. And then, watch this, not only was there no skin left on his back, but then they turn around and they take an almost 300-pound cross. They take an almost 300-pound cross and lay it, watch this, on his skinless back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having all the skin beat off your back? And then an old rugged, splintery, dirty, nasty cross laid on your skinless back, and you got to carry it up a hill. Can you imagine that? Nobody can understand. Nobody can fully understand what Jesus went through. And then check this out. They took a crown of thorns. Now, these thorns weren't the little bitty, the little thorns that we're thinking about. These thorns were long thorns. These thorns were two and three inches long. And they would take it. And so imagine, imagine thorns burying into your skin, burying into your scalp. This is one of the most sensitive parts of your body. The, 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 the skin that's around your head is one that your back and your head are some of the most sensitive part of your body. And can you imagine having thorns two and three inches long dug into your skin, dug into your scalp, dug into your forehead, dug into your, watch this. And then now blood is reaming in your face. Blood is in your eyes. Now you got the meat tore off your back. And then an old rugged cross, almost 300 pounds, laid on your back. And now you got to carry this cross uphill. You know what he's saying? He took the bread and he said, I want you to understand that when you see the bread that's broken, I want you to understand that that's what's going to happen to my back. That's what's going to happen to me. When you see the bread that's broken, I want you to understand that that's what's going to happen to my head. I want you to to understand that that's what's going to happen to my side. I want you to understand that, that I'm going to get pierced. I'm going to get pierced in my side. I want you to understand that when you see the bread and you see the breaking of the bread, I want you to understand that that's going to be the piercing. When you see the breaking of the bread, I want you to understand that the breaking of the bread is going to be the hole that's in my hands. I need you to understand that. So when we look at the bread, the bread is not, he said, he said, this bread represents my body. Glory to God. He said it represents my body. But watch this. Isaiah chapter 53 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. I like that. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement that purchased our peace was upon him and it's by his stripes we were healed. Now watch this. This is a beautiful part. Check it out. He was wounded and bruised. He was wounded and bruised. He was wounded and bruised. Why wounded? And bruise. Well, I like this part because he was wounded, watch this, for our transgressions. Transgressions is the things that we do outwardly, the things that we do that we know are wrong. That's a transgression. Sin is a transgression of the law. We knew the law. We knew what God said, and we went against the law of God anyway. That's a transgression. So he was wounded. He had a womb for our transgression. Now, wounds are, are some serious because now they've got places in hospitals where they have special womb care. where they have to go and take care of the wounds. So he was wounded on the outside. He was wounded for our transgression. All the wounds that he took on his back, on his head, on his neck, on his arm, he was wounded for our transgression. But watch this. He was bruised as well. Bruised is when you get hit on the outside, but you get hurt on the inside. It's when you get hit on the outside but the damage is on the inside. He was he was bruised. Watch this for our iniquities. Iniquities are those secret sins. Iniquities are the secret sins. Iniquities are the sins that are in our heart. The sin that we the sin that we do in our thoughts. It's that secret stuff. It's that secret stuff that we do that we don't tell anybody about. The stuff that you do that you don't you don't mention that sin. You don't do it's that it's that sin that's in your heart. It's the stuff that that you would do if you had opportunity. It's that kind of sin. It's that sin if the right opportunity presents itself, you do it. It's that sin where if you found a wallet filled with money, you would get the wallet. You would take the money out, maybe drop the water and keep going. It's that kind of sin. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. You you would sin if the opportunity presents itself. It's that sin that if somebody said, hey, I'll let you carry my child on your taxes if you give me X amount of dollars out the money. It's that kind of sin. It's that iniquity. It's that stuff that's in your heart. It's the stuff that you would do if you had an opportunity. It's a sin that 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 when you're out of town and you're not around anybody, that's when you go get drunk. That's when you go do the fool when you're not around anybody. It's that kind of sin. It's a sin. It's an opportunistic sin. It's sin that you would do it if you had opportunity to do it. Had an opportunity to do it, you would do it. That, that's the, it's that sin of the heart. You know what the Bible says? Not only did he take care of our outward sin, but he also took care of our inward sin. And then he says, the bread represents represents my body. Woo-hoo. It represents my body. Then he goes on. And he took the bread, and he, he blessed it, and he broke it. And then then he takes, then he takes some wine. He goes. He takes some wine. And he makes some wine for his disciples. He takes the wine and he shows the disciples his wine. He shows the disciples the wine. And he says that the bread represents my body. But the wine represents my blood. Now, wait a minute. He's got bread representing his body. Then he's got the wine that represents the blood. And here's what he's saying. He's saying that the blood represents the new covenant. The blood was the price that had to be paid to get you guys a brand new covenant. A brand new relationship, not a brand new contract, but a brand new covenant. He said this covenant, this one, the first covenant was written in the blood of bulls and goats. He said, but this covenant will be written in my blood. Glory to God. Because there came a time where where God no longer wanted. He no longer wanted the offerings of of bulls and goats. What he wanted now was a sinless offering. Us from a sinless lamb. And that's what he says. He says, I want a sinless lamb. So now he's looking at the wine. Hmm. But just like bread has to be crushed. Just like bread has to be kneaded. Bread has to be pounded. Bread has to be rolled. Bread goes through a lot to become bread. <laughs> bread goes through a lot. Bread has to be washed. In. Bread has to be put in fire in order to become bread, bread has to be put in extreme heat in order for it to rise. So, so what, what you taste when you eat bread, that bread has gone through a lot to get to the point where you can eat it. Now, bread's gone through a lot, and Jesus tells the disciples even in the book of John chapter six, he says, he says, uh, he says, unless you eat of my body, you can have no part with me. Then he goes on to talk about the wine. He says that the blood. Or the wine represents my blood, the blood of the New Testament, the blood of the new covenant. Now, now you and I know that blood, that wine comes from grapes, comes from grapes and grape juice. Now, how does this become this? How does this become this? Because this looks good. These look good. But how does this become this? Hmm. Well, in order for this to become this, something's got to happen. That means that the grapes have got to be crushed. The grapes have got to be crushed. In order to get the wine, grapes have to be crushed. In order to get what's on the inside, on the outside, they have to be crushed. So when Jesus was holding up the glass of wine, what he was saying was, in order to, for my blood to come out. Y'all ain't helping me preach. In order for the blood to come out. In order for you guys to get this. I had to go through this. I had to go through some crushing. I had some, I had some times when, when I had to deal with some things. that I, that Watch this. That wasn't my fault. He said, I was bruised for your iniquities. I was wounded for your transgressions. And he had to be crushed. And so when we look at the wine, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at his body that was crushed for all of us. It was crushed for us. This is Jesus' body. This is what he went through. In order to get the the wine, he had to be crushed. When Jesus was on the cross and they speared him, In the side, the Bible says that blood ran down the streets of the city. It was Jesus' blood. He was crushed. He was crushed for you. He was crushed for me. He had no sin, but he was crushed. Not Not only must grapes be crushed, they've got to be pounded, walked on. In many, many countries, they still walk on grapes. He had to be walked on and crushed for you and for me. And then grapes, once they're walked on and once they're crushed, they have to be left alone so they can ferment. So grapes have to be left in a dark place. Glory to, glory, glory to God. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus asked the Lord, he says, Why? Why have you forsaken me? He left it because he was being crushed for you and for me. He was being crushed. And wine in order to get this. In order to get this, you gotta go through this. So when we when we take the wine, we gotta remember that you're not just drinking juice. You got to remember that you're drinking the blood of Jesus and we've got to be careful how we approach the table because when we approach the table wrong, we crucify him of flesh. When we approach the table and we don't honor the table like we used to and we don't reverence communion like we used to. And we don't consider communion, we don't consider what happened uh, uh, for this communion take place. We don't consider it, at least not like we used to. But God is saying we got to get back to holiness. We got to get back to a place where we remember what communion means. We we remember what the bread means. We got to remember what the bread means. That the bread is the breaking of his body. He said, this is my body, the scars, the tears, the rips in my back, the the, the piercing in my side. I want you to remember that that was my body. I want you to remember that when you're taking taking the wine, when you're taking the wine, you got to remember that in order for blood to come out, there's a hole that had to be made in my body in order to get the blood out. And guess what he was saying to us? He was saying that I did all this. I didn't do it for me. Jesus said, I did it for you. I did it for you. I did it for your families. I did it for your your grandmother and your great-grandmother. I did it for their forefathers. I did it for not only you. I did it for your children, your children's children, and their children after them. He said, I did it for the sins of the whole world. I allowed myself to be broken. I allowed myself to be broken for your sins. And that's what he said to us. But let's check this out. Isaiah 53 10 says, yet it was the Lord's will to cause him to suffer. It was the Lord's will to crush him. It was the Lord's will to allow him to go through the suffering. It was the Lord's will for him to be broken. It was the Lord's will for him to be crushed. It was God's will. Why? Because God had you in his will all the time. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm in God's will. You got to say, that I'm in God's will. You got to know that. Oh, it's a good place to be in God's will. He said, he said, it was God's will for him to suffer. Why? Because, because he was making the payment for our sins, your sins and my sins. He made the, he made the atonement for our sins. Glory to God. And there was Lord's will to crush him. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got the table. We got the table. We got the table. We got the table. We've got we've got the bread. We've got the bread. And we've got the wine. We've got the bread. And we've got the wine. Huh. I feel like God's trying to tell us something in the bread and the wine. I feel like he's trying to tell us something in bread and wine. I wonder what he's trying to tell us. Hmm. Because bread takes care of hunger. The wine takes care of the thirst. Hmm. Bread takes care of hunger. The wine takes care of thirst. You know what? That sounds familiar. This sounds like a scripture I read one time that says that he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, they shall be filled. Glory to God. So they that hunger, Matthew 5, 6, they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Now I understand. What the Lord's table is about. Now I understand that the Lord's table is not just about you and me. It's not just about what Jesus did. But the Lord's table is about righteousness. It's about hungering and thirsting. Not just for the bread. Not just for the wine. But hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Glory to God. It's about hungering And thirsting for, so you know what that means? That means that every time I take communion, I take it because I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Every time I approach the Lord's table, I approach it because I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Because he said that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be fit. Now I get it. Now now I understand that I'm not just taking a cracker and some juice. I'm not just coming to church and I'm not just taking it because they're passing around it because everybody's eating the piece and everybody's getting one. No, no, no. Now I understand that this is about righteousness. Glory to God. That the table is about righteousness. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just thought about something. I just thought about something. I thought thought about something. I just thought about something. I just thought about it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, I just thought about something. I thought about something. Because if the table is about righteousness, Jesus taught us that you can't take it in an unworthy manner. Uh Uh-oh. Because the table is about righteousness. The table is about us hungering and thirsting to be right with God. Now, we're not righteous in our own, in our own efforts. I need you all to understand that. That it's Jesus' blood that makes us right with God. It's not nothing that we've done other than receive Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. But, but, but because of the covenant, God offers something to us, but then we offer our lives to him, watch this, as a living sacrifice. And the Bible calls that, Romans chapter 12, he calls it your reasonable service. And God said, uh, because of everything I've given to you, it's reasonable for you to give your life to me. It's reasonable for you to want to have, to want, to have righteous living. But he says, he said that you can't eat it and drink it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. 29. He said, But he that eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not deserving the Lord's body. Wait a minute. Uh-oh. So that means that that means that some folks probably shouldn't be taking communion. That means that some folks. Have been taken in an unworthy manner. Doesn't mean that you're unworthy. Understand that. He never said that you were unworthy. He never said that. He said you're eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. Let's talk about that. Because if this is about righteousness. If it's about holiness. If it's about being right with God. That's what it's about. So when I approach the table, I approach the table because I understand my part of the covenant. Are y'all hearing that? I understand my part of the relationship. My part of the relationship is to is to give my body a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable unto him, which is my reasonable service. I understand it. So now when I approach the table, I approach the table because I'm doing everything I know to do to live up to my part of the covenant. I'm doing everything I know to do to get rid of sin out of my life. I'm doing everything I know to do to confess my sin. I'm doing everything I know to do to forgive people and to, to get rid of anger and bitterness and, and jealousy and malice to get all the stuff out of my heart. I can approach the table because I know I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm approaching the table because I know that when God reveals sin to me, when God reveals things into me in my life that are in my life, I know that I'm dealing with those things. I'm going before God. I'm doing what God's telling me to do so I can approach the throne. I can approach the Lord's table with confidence. Many people many people are not even considering the bread they're not considering the wine. You're just taking it and eating it. You're just doing it because that's just what they do over there at church on purpose. That's what they do at our church. Every first Sunday, we just take it and eat it. But God wants us to take some time and to understand what this is. He don't want you just to take it and eat it because you've got to understand. He says don't take it or eat in an unworthy manner. What's an unworthy manner? Number one is two, two things unworthy manner means. Number one is you've got some unconfessed sins. You've got some unconfessed sins in your heart. You're harboring unconfessed sins. That's unworthy manner. That's why, that's why he tells us to examine yourself. So if you're taking communion and you have unconfessed sins in your life, things that you have not confessed, you haven't confessed to God and you haven't confessed to anybody, you've not confessed to your prayer partner, your prayer warrior, you've got some unconfessed sins in your life, you know what he's saying? You're eating in an unworthy manner. That's an unworthy manner when you've got unconfessed sins in your life. Do you know what that means? That means that That means that a communion gives you an opportunity. It gives you an opportunity to go before God and confess those sins. Confess those sins. Before you take communion, you've got to confess your sins, especially the sins that you know. And we do it every month. So every month you should be confessing. Matter of fact, every day you should be confessing sins before God. You got to find some people in your life that you can confess to, that you can tell that sin to, that you can get that stuff out of you because confession purges your heart. Confession purges your heart. You've got some unconfessed sins in your life. Unconfessed sins. Now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just thought about something else. I thought about something else. He said... That's when we eat and drink unworthily. He said, many people are doing this and bringing judgment on themselves. Why? Wait a minute. Why are they bringing judgment on themselves? Because they didn't discern the Lord's body. He didn't say anything about the blood. He said, you drink, you're bringing judgment because you didn't discern the Lord's body. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't discern the Lord's body. I didn't discern the Lord's body. The body of the Lord. The body of the Lord. I didn't discern the body of the Lord. I, I didn't discern. I brought judgment on myself because I didn't discern the body of the Lord. Wait a minute. The body of the Lord means two things. Hmm. Did you know that? That the body of Christ means two things. The body of Christ means his physical body, the body that was on the cross. But the body of Christ also means God's people. The body of Christ also means every born-again child of God on the planet. So wait a minute. So what he's saying was, I'm eating this, I'm taking communion, but I'm doing it in an unworthy manner, number one, because I'm not reverencing what Jesus went through, but secondly, I'm doing it because I failed to express the love and the unity for the body of Christ. You know what he's saying? He said, when you're taking an unworthy manner, when, when you're coming up here, you call yourself a Christian, but you hate another Christian. You call yourself a believer, but you've got an alt with your brother and sister. And watch this, you told everybody else, but you haven't went to them yet. You gossip about them behind their backs. If you're a gossiper, you shouldn't be taking communion. If if you are the person, if you're the person, you've got an alt with somebody, an alt with another Christian, and you have not gone to them. Here's what he said, leave your offering at the altar. Go make it right first. Glory to God. Go make it right and then come back. You know why? Because the Lord's table is about being right with God. It's about righteousness. And God is calling the church back to righteousness. He's calling the church back to holiness and holy living. If you're a gossip, if you're a backbiter, if you're a slanderer, here's what God is saying, that you are taking communion in an unworthy manner. You know why? Because you haven't discerned that this is my body. And what you do to one, you do it to God. You, gotta, you do it to God. When you you talk about a person in the body of Christ, you're really talking about God. He said you're taking an unworthy man. You know why? Because you haven't discerned the Lord's body. You don't know that this is the body of Christ. Glory to God. You be careful who you put your mouth on. Be careful who you're talking about. Stop talking about people. And stop gossiping about people. And stop backbiting and stabbing people in the back. Stop doing, stop smiling people's faces and then talking about them behind their back. No, this is the body of Christ. This is what God is calling us back to. God is calling us back to holiness. We got to live right, you God. We got to live right. That's what God is, this is what God is saying about his table. That's what he's saying about a table. Many people buck and shout on Psalms 23. When he says, I'll prepare a table. Wait a minute. I'll prepare a table. Wait a minute. I'll prepare a table. I'll prepare a table. (laughs) I'll prepare a table before you. Wait a minute. I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. Wait a minute. We buck and shout off that because we thought our enemy was people. Oh, this is good to me. We thought the enemy was people. And we thought the table was a table filled with delicacies. But do you know the table that he's talking about in Psalms 23? He says, I'll prepare the Lord's table before you. In the presence of your enemies. You know what your enemies are? You know what your enemies are? Jealousy. Your enemies are envy. Envy. Malice, raft, gossip, lasciviousness, sexual immorality. He said, I'm going to prepare a table of righteousness in the presence of everything that's been trying to attack your life. Because, because when you approach the table, the table is going to remind you of the need to stay right with God. And that's what he's saying. Glory to God. I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Unworthy manner. He said, but let every man examine himself. To examine yourself is is the Hebrew word uh which means to test the genuineness of, to to make sure that it's genuine. That's all it means. To to examine yourself means to test the genuineness of. Is your faith genuine? Is your love for God genuine? Is it genuine? Watch this. Have you repented or did you just, did you just, did you just apologize, because that's a big difference in repentance and apology. Did you repent or did you apologize? If you repented, that means that you've changed some stuff in your life. You've changed some stuff in your life. So he says, I will prepare a table, the Lord's table, before you in the presence of your enemy. Can I, can I give you one last point? You know what another enemy is? Watch this. Sickness and disease. (laughs) Sickness and disease. He said, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of sickness and disease. You know why? Because many people who've taken communion are being healed. They're being healed of sickness and disease. You know why? Because they discern the Lord's body. Because they approach the Lord's table with reverence. It's not just a cup. It's, 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 not, it's not just a cup, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just a cup. I know that they, they've got them all fancy now, and you've got the wafer on the top and the cup on the bottom. I, listen, it's not just a cup. It's not just a wafer. It is you discerning the Lord's body. It's the bread and the wine. Watch this, and I, I'm closing with this, so if you guys can play some soft music in the background, uh, just some closing music, turn it down real low but this, play some closing music. Listen. All, all I want to tell you is this Jesus said that he was the manna that fell in the wilderness. He was the manna that fell. And because he was the manna that fell in the wilderness, guess what happened in the wilderness? There was no sickness in the wilderness, there was no disease in the wilderness. The people lived in the wilderness. And that's what God is saying to you. And that's what he's saying to me. He's saying that to you, and he's saying that to me, that people, that people lived. That was no sickness. That was no disease in the wilderness. That's what he was saying to all of us. That's what he was saying to all of us. He was saying to all of us. No sickness, no disease in the wilderness. That's what he was saying. And so, you can be healed by taking communion. Communion can heal you. Communion can, can can ratify your body. Communion can give you long life and longevity if you approach the table, right? You know the enemy's talking about the, one of the enemies is sickness and disease. That's what he says. You can, be, you can be healed from sickness and disease. You can be healed. Now listen, I know that you may be at home wherever you are. If you're at home, I want you to, I want you to get. Your communion cups, whatever that cup is, I want you to get it. Whatever bread that you're using, get your bread wherever you are. I want you to grab it. I want you to get it. And I want you to participate in communion with us this morning. And we're going to have communion together as a family. If you've got children, get those kids up. Get those kids up and come to, come to your, your table. Bring them in the kitchen. Bring them around the living room table, wherever you are. Bring the kids together. Bring them together. Bring the kids together. And let's have communion together. Will you get your kids and will you bring them together so we can all have communion together? Jesus, as he was there in the upper room with his disciples, listen to this. I need to share this with you as well. Communion was not designed to always stay in the church. Do you know that the first communion happened in a house? Do you know that the first communion that ever happened? Happened. Happened in the house. Matthew 26. It happened in the house where Jesus tells his disciples, he said, go into the city, find a man. He's got a house. Tell him that we need to use his house. That we need to use his room. And they went up in this upper room and that's why they had their final supper. So the first communion was actually in a house. You know what that you know what that suggests to you and I? That suggests to us that God desires for communion to be done in your house, not just in the church but also in your house, that you can have communion right there in your home, right there where you are. You have communion in your home, and you can have it there. So I want to have communion with you. So here's what Jesus said. He took bread, and he, he blessed it, and he broke it. And I'm going to, If wherever you are, if you grab your bread, if, you, if you'll pray over it, let's pray over your bread. Father, just lift it up wherever you are in your homes, wherever you are. Just lift it up, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this bread. Because God now we understand what your bread what your body went through for us. God that should have been us. That should have been our body. It should have been my body that was broken. That should have been me. I should have took that bruising, but God, I should have took that beating, but God it was you. And Father, we thank you that the chastisement that brought our peace was upon you and it's by your stripes that we are healed. And Father, we thank you. Bless this bread. Let this bread represent God Your body, let it represent healing. And God, when we eat this bread, not only do we acknowledge our covenant, but God, we understand that we are now one with you. And he says, take and eat ye all of it, for this is my body. And lastly, he took the cup and also gave thanks. He took the cup and gave thanks. So whatever cup you have, lift it up now. Let's have communion together. Father, we now understand In order to get this, you had to go through this. You had to go through some suffering in order for us to get the blood. And we thank you, God, that your blood signifies a new covenant written in your blood. Forgive us for taking it for granted. Forgive us, Lord God, for the times that we didn't acknowledge you rightly and we didn't do it right. Forgive the time, God, that we approached the table in haste and we just took it just to be taking it. Father, we know that. The bread and the wine represents righteousness, God, that you you, God, you desire righteousness in our inward parts. You want us to be right with you on the inside. And so, Father, we pray over every cup that's being lifted up now, every cup that's being lifted, from wherever it is, every cup that's being lifted, we pray over it. And, Father, we pray healing, divine healing now. God, we know that, that blood gives life. And, God, we pray that whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever they're dealing with, whatever we're dealing with, whatever it is, we pray, God, that after today, after today, Lord God, that that thing be gone. Father, we pray that you help us to examine ourselves. Look at ourselves, God, and make sure we've dealt with our own sins. We've dealt with our own sin, our own, our own hearts. Help us to deal with us. God, that when we approach the table, that we approach the table with confidence, knowing, God, that we're striving to live right and walk up right before you. And he says, take and drink ye all of it, for this is my blood. He says, as often as you eat this bread and do drink from this cup, you do show the Lord's day until he returns. God bless you, family. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that something, that something was said that was an encouragement to you. I pray that something was revealed to you in this teaching. I encourage you to go back and listen to it again. So that when you approach the Lord's table, so you can teach your kids about what the bread and the wine, what it really means, what the table represents, righteousness, hunger and thirst for righteousness. I pray that you go back and take some time and teach it, reteach it. Go back and review it. Go back and study it. Look it up for yourself. Understand when we approach the Lord's table that God is saying we got to approach it with reverence. We got to approach it right. That's what God is saying to all of us. I know sometimes you have two and three services and you have to kind of move through it. And sometimes I feel so guilty. Because I feel like we don't do the Lord's, the Lord's table justice because we have to move through it expeditiously to get to the next service or whatever the case. So maybe making some change in that regard so that we can take some time and really honor the Lord's table. We can really honor the Lord's table. We're praying for you. All of you, wherever you are, we're praying for you. I want you to know that I miss you. I can't wait for the day we all can come back together and we can worship together. But I don't, I don't want to do it before, before the Lord's timing. I know God's timing is perfect. My timing is off, but God's timing is perfect. We're going to pray for God's timing. Will you pray for us? Will you pray that God will give us his perfect timing? That God will open the church when he says, that's what we want. I want to open up tomorrow. I want to open up this week. But I know that I've got to follow the Lord's will. I've got to follow the Lord's timing. And so we're going to do that. I pray that you guys stay connected. Continue to give. Continue to sow. That's what keeps our staff and keeps everything going. So thank you guys for sowing and giving. Some of you guys have been so generous. Thank you for giving. Some of you have been giving above and beyond to ensure that the church continues to, to move forward. And I thank you guys for that because, because the, the, the years are still rolling and we're still preparing for that time where we're able to purchase our own building and purchase land and maybe even build us our, our, our first, our first uh, a sanctuary for ourselves. So we're still, we're still preparing for that time. So continue to give. Right now we're able to put back and we're able to save because we're not spending a lot. So we're able to save some money. So when we get chance to transition to our new building, then we'll be able to do it, man. And we'll be able to do it and do it debt free. That's, that's our hope. That's our goal. So if you haven't had a chance to tithe, will you tithe this morning? Will you you give? Will you go to our website? Will you do that? In just a few moments, one of our announcers will come and tell you how to give. Many of you have been giving for a long time, so you know how to do it. There are several streams, several ways you can give, and I want you guys to give. Sow your best seed this morning. This is Communion Sunday. Sow your best seed. Let me pray over your offering. Father, I pray over every seed that's going to be sown this morning. God, I pray, God, that you would bless them exceedingly, abundantly, above anything they could ever ask or think. Father, I pray for those, God, who trust you with the tithe. They trust you with the giving. They trust you, Lord God, even with their offering. Lord God, they understand, God, that that to whom much is given, much is required. And so, Father, we thank you for those that are in covenant relationship with this ministry as it pertains to tithe. God, they're going to tithe no matter what, whether we're in the building or out of it, but they're still going to give. And we thank you for those individuals. And, God, I pray bountiful blessings on their lives. And, Father, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for who you are, who you continue to be in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you thank you for tuning in. Please share this video with somebody. We've got to get back to reverencing the Lord's table for reverencing communion. So don't ever just take communion uh, just to be taking it. Don't ever take it in an unworthy manner because he said that's the reason some people are sick and some people are asleep. He said don't ever do that. Make sure you examine yourself. Make sure your heart's right with God before you come to God. Make sure, examine yourself so we can approach the Lord's table with confidence. Amen. So I love you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Pastor Eric Love, Senior Pastor right here at Church on Purpose. And Church on Purpose is the place where purpose comes alive. And if you're looking for purpose, remember that purpose is found in knowing Jesus. God bless you. Stay tuned for our announcements.